You're listening to Mark Rogers TV, the voice of college football. I'm your host, Ben Belden. Another episode of Talking Notre Dame Football coming at you a couple days after Stanford. Um, Lots have been discussed about the Stanford game. We're here to discuss it a little bit more. But first of all, if you're here on YouTube, you're watching, thank you. If you found us on YouTube, make sure you like, comment, subscribe, share. Uh, if you're on the audio stream, we'd love to have you in the other both places as well. So if you're looking for the audio stream, uh, look for the uh, little used, but hopefully used a little bit more here in the future, Under the Dome podcast. You can find that anywhere podcasts are found if you do a search. My name is Ben Belden. You can find me on Twitter at RealBBelden. And obviously, you know, if you are uh, looking for this on YouTube, MarkRogersTV.com. You will be able to scroll on over to the uh, the Notre Dame channel there. Make sure you subscribe to that Notre Dame channel because we do a lot of live events um, on that channel as well. So post-game lives, reaction shows that are live, all of that good stuff. Find that live content on YouTube. That, again, that's MarkRogersTV.com. Scroll on over until you find the Notre Dame channel at The Voice of College Football. Subscribe there, then you know when we go live. Okay, Audio streams, anywhere you want me, you can... Uh, you know, you can find those live stream, those audio streams there. Okay, I want to talk a little bit today about execution. I want to talk about, um, you know, a, a lot of the things that uh, Marcus Freeman has said in the time after this particular game has uh, has gone down. So, in case you've been under a rock, um, Notre Dame had lost to Stanford 16 to 14 Saturday night in one of the more embarrassing losses, probably the second most embarrassing loss. Uh, this season, which is sad to say, um, let's just put it this way: Notre Dame football's on life support right now. Notre Dame football's real bad. Um, it's got some real issues, um, and they're not necessarily talent issues. Uh, I think there's a lot of great athleticism and athletic talent on this Notre Dame football team, but man, is it a cluster right now on the football field? And everybody is looking for who to blame. Um, who who gets that? Is it the coaches for not coaching good enough? Is it the players for not playing good enough? To what extent is there a blend of what's going on here? I'm here to try to kind of pick apart some of those things and uh, and kind of lend uh, my opinion. So today's Monday as I record this. Um, obviously, I've had a lot of opportunity to digest not only just the game, um, but uh, some other opinions about the game. Um, as I've you know gone to and from work today, listening to Notre Dame podcasts and and reading on Twitter what everyone has to say about this particular game, um, you know, I have to tip my cap to a lot of other Notre Dame podcasters that have talked about this already. Um, you know, I'm not really just talking about one other Notre Dame podcast or anything. I'm I'm kind of conglomerating a lot of things here, but. Uh, if you listen to Marcus Freeman talk after this particular Notre Dame game, um, seems to be that the the name of the game, the word of the day, uh, the phrase that's that's going on is that we have to execute better. If you listen to his post game conference, he said execution numerous numerous amounts of times. And as I wonder and I think about what does that mean. Uh, you know, I start to think about who really is to blame for a lack of execution when it comes to this Notre Dame football team. Obviously, there are, there are a lot of schools of thought, and then there's kind of a middle ground. I'm the type of guy that I think, you know, if there's one extreme on the left and one extreme on the right, the truth is somewhere in the middle, and um, there you go, okay? So, obviously, there are some people that think that make the argument, and, you know, there's quite a few good arguments here to be had, that... 
execution is simply the players it falls on the players to do better do play better play harder play with more energy focus be intense all of those things uh, and so there's an argument to be made that execution is falling on the players um Others obviously think the opposite, okay? Some might argue that a lack of execution simply falls to the coaches uh, to call the right plays, put the right players in the right positions at the right times and the best positions to succeed. Um, you know, if you think that way, you probably think that one of the, the bigger things is that Marcus Freeman's biggest pitfall of a coach thus far is his inability for him and the rest of the staff to have the players, and I'm going to put this in air quotes if you're watching me, ready to play. Uh, and here's the thing about it. Again, the truth is usually in the middle, and truly and honestly, I see kind of both sides of that argument. Uh, you know, on one hand, here's what I'll say. The players got to do better than they're doing right now, okay? There's, there's a lot of this that just very simply falls to the players not doing what they're actually coached to do, okay? Um, there are opportunities out there for, for plays to be made, um, passes to be completed, holes to be hit, tackles to be broken, blocks to be made, tackles to be made on the defensive side of the football. You get my point, okay? Um, and those plays just aren't being executed. And short of Marcus Freeman or Tommy Reese or Al Golden or whoever you want to blame going out there and doing it themselves, uh, you know, making the big pass, making the big catch, running the right route, making the right play on the field at the right time, short of them doing it themselves, I don't know what's supposed to, how the coaches are supposed to get the players ready to play. Um, I have a tough time saying things like the players weren't ready to play or that they weren't put in the best position to succeed. When I sat in that stadium on Saturday night and watched a touchdown in the first quarter get called back, because they lined up wrong were they coached wrong to line up that way is that how it was practiced i have a tough time believing it was um on the very next play after that okay uh and obviously i'm referencing the play where um there's a an issue with the way mitchell evans and chris tyree lined up and you can go back and forth about who is supposed to be on the line who is supposed to be off it doesn't matter somebody lined up wrong okay somebody lined up wrong and i guarantee the coaches didn't tell them to line up that way and they lined up wrong. So the I, I, Michael Mayer scores a touchdown on that play, gets called back because of illegal man downfield, a.k.a. kind of an illegal formation. And there you go, no points. I then watched Drew Pine just absolutely airmail a wide-open Braden Lindsay on the next play. Should have been a touchdown, should have been a score. Did Tommy Reese tell Drew Pine to throw the ball six yards out in front of Braden Lindsay so that he couldn't catch it? Was that Tommy Reese that told him to do that? Did Marcus Freeman tell him to throw the ball out of the back of the end zone? Is that how they were coached? No, it wasn't. And I know nobody thinks that. I, I, I'm being a little bit sarcastic when I'm saying these things. But I have a tough time, like I say, when you say that the players were not put in a position to succeed, they were put in positions to succeed on those plays. They were. They didn't execute. They didn't put it all together, okay? Now, you might make the argument that those plays are fewer and farther between than they should have been, and I could hear that argument. But on those plays, the players were put in position to succeed. They didn't. They didn't. And a lot of that's on them. Um, those are just two examples of plays 
you know, that I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, they're the ones that, like, without going back and watching film of all 22 and really, really studying the game of football like like many of you out there do, um, th- those are the two that I think of right away, but there are absolutely more of them out there. There are more of them out there because, honestly, you can throw up, throw in the last play of the game, uh, the offensive play of the game, too, where without my- Michael Mayer on the field, by the way, on fourth and seven, um, <laughs> Drew Pine drops back, has a clean pocket, and instead of throwing the ball to the receiver that is breaking open behind the first down marker, he panics, he throws, short of the sticks, broken up, game over. Okay? Uh, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. If I'm a coach, I don't know what to say at this particular point either. Okay? So again, short of doing it themselves, I'm, I'm really not sure in certain instances what you want Marcus Freeman, Tommy Reese to do, okay? Maybe I'm about to answer that question here because now there's the flip side of that coin, okay? There's the big but, the big however in this particular instance, okay? Obviously, the player's got to do stuff better, okay? That's pretty easy to say. But as a coach, how do you make them do stuff better, what do you do as a coach that when things are going sideways, you go to adjust, okay? Uh, I've said this time and time again. I coach high school basketball, okay? Not as nearly as high of a level of coaching as, you know, Marcus Freeman, uh, Tommy Reese, so on, have got themselves into. I'm not trying to say that. But as a coach in general, you get what you tolerate. You get what you tolerate, Okay, And if you're allowing execution errors, execution issues to go by the wayside without doing all of these things, calling them out, bringing attention to them, correcting them, and then if it's not corrected after one or two attempts, doing a different method of punishment afterwards uh, when appropriate, then that's coaching failure. Okay? If... You've told Drew Pine a million times, you gotta make this read. You gotta get to your third read on this on this particular play. You gotta put the, you know, you gotta see the blitzer here and you gotta throw past the blitzer and get to the, the ball to the right guy at the right time. And if he can't do it and you continue to let him try, okay, and put him out there in those same positions to do the same thing over and over again, then that's coaching malpractice, okay? In addition, if you're constantly calling junk that doesn't work, and I don't care why it doesn't work, it can be your players can't do it, uh, they don't understand what they're doing, uh, whatever the situation is, okay, if they're not good enough, they can't, they won't. Doesn't matter why. If you're constantly continuing to call the same stuff offensively, defensively, on special teams, I don't care what it is, then your schemes are not appropriate for the strengths of your players. Okay? And obviously, this part is more difficult to see because we don't know what we don't know as fans. We don't see practice, we don't see uh, film breakdown. Uh, on certain instances, we think we know what the motive of the offense was on a particular play, but we don't necessarily know. I get all that. At the same time, it's easy enough to at least see this a little bit that clearly something ain't clicking here. And, um, you know, for instance, again, I was at the game Saturday night, 
okay? I'm not a football X's and O's guru. I'm not a boy genius, if you will. I saw Tobias Merriweather had had one-on-one coverage all game long, all first half long. Why did it take till the last play of the third quarter, which ended up being a um, which ended up being a drop snap by Drew Pine, um, or a bad snap, depending on how you want to look at it. I don't care whose fault it was. Still was a still was a mistake on somebody's part. On somebody's part. Uh, but I saw Tobias Merriweather going deep on that play along with Braden Lindsey. And then finally at the beginning of the fourth quarter, they put it all together, put Tobias Merriweather in the slot, let him hit the post pattern, touchdown, thank you, never threw it to him again. Okay, Had it the whole first half, did it once in the, at the first play of the fourth quarter, never again. One catch, one. Okay, One-on-one all night. Okay, It's backyard football. I get the ball, one-on-one, make a guy miss, throw it to him, First down, touchdown, whatever. It ain't that hard, okay? It ain't that hard. And so, oh man, I don't know. I don't know. Again, I see the point that people make that the the coaches have to put the players in the best position to succeed. But I also think that when you're put in that position, the players got to actually succeed once in a while. Or somebody like me sitting behind this camera right now is going to lose their flipping mind, okay? Uh, So this, in my opinion, is just an absolute two-way street here. Uh, You know, the thing that I guess that I'm happy about, and man, did I have to dig deep to say that I was happy about this one, is that it seems as if Marcus Freeman understands that it's a two-way street and he doesn't want to start pointing fingers because that's just going to alienate people. I like the overall togetherness of this Notre Dame team at this point. Uh, and I think that's a testament to the good things that Marcus Freeman has done and the good that he brings to the table as the Notre Dame football coach. And so I'm hopeful, not positive, but hopeful. I have faith that accountability will come and that this gets changed. Okay, uh, Here's my final thought. All right. The accountability needs to either be more extreme than what we've seen out of Marcus Freeman so far or needs sped up or however you want to put it, okay? That's Marcus Freeman's challenge. It's his biggest challenge as the Notre Dame football coach so far. You can't wait around forever to get things fixed. You just can't. Um because Part of that change uh, that Freeman is hoping to bring is in recruiting, okay? It has ancillary effects. Obviously, what happens on Saturday is huge, okay, for just the wins and losses. But it's even bigger than that when you take into the fact that recruits are there. You want to create an atmosphere of winning, a culture, all of that that the recruits buy into. If you have no winning, you have no culture, and you won't get the recruits, Okay, no four and eight team ever went and brought in a number one recruiting class <laughs> the next year. Okay, you recruit by winning and you win by recruiting, and it's a cyclical thing. And you can't have a gap in the circle. You can't have a gap in the circle. So, you know, I I don't know what the answer is or where Notre Dame goes from here, but the accountability thing is something that as we go forward, we watch Notre Dame play on Peacock uh, against UNLV. Why not get Steve Angeli a, a shot? Because Drew Pine ain't doing it. 
Okay, I haven't delved deep into Drew Pine. Drew Pine ain't it, guys. Okay, Drew Pine ain't it. And you know, whenever I said, even during the, a game against BYU, even during a game against UConn, and I'm saying, you know what, Drew Pine's having himself a pretty decent game, but he's not a long-term solution. You guys all said that I was crazy. Drew Pine ain't it. Okay, we know what Drew Pine is. When he gets hot, he gets hot. He looks pretty good. But when the going gets tough, he's not a guy that you can rely on to be a game-changing quarterback, to make the right reads, to stand in the pocket, to take a shot, to deliver the ball, and make all the throws. He's just not. He's just not. And so if he's not, and you know he's not, and the season is at 3-3 three and three already, and you're playing really just now to try to get to a bowl and, and, and have some good positive momentum going into 2023, play Steve Angeli. Why not? Why not? Okay, um, so I, I don't know. I'm at a real difficult spot here um, thinking that, you know, there should be a little bit of patience for Marcus Freeman, but at the same time, even though you're being patient for it to look as good as it possibly could, doesn't mean it has to look terrible in the meantime, okay? Uh, working out the kinks, no kink should be bad enough to lose to Marshall and Stanford, okay? You've listened to Mark Rogers TV. This is the voice of college football. Welcome to our Under the Dome listeners. Like I said, you know, if you're looking for the audio, Under the Dome podcast, search that up. I know a lot of you are subscribers there. If you're looking for the video, the live streams that we do, make sure you go to markrogerstv.com. Subscribe to the YouTube channel for Notre Dame football at the Voice of College Football. Hit us up in both of those places. I like the interaction. Makes this a little bit fun. Maybe we'll have some good Notre Dame football to talk about. I'm not holding my breath. Until next time, go Irish.